Well, my friends, there's a viral video out there. Stu Peters is the host. A Canadian named Patrick King is the star interviewee who claims he defeated Alberta's lockdown in a case in Red Deer that he sort of screwed up jurisdictionally, but he absolutely liberated the whole province. Is it true? Almost a million people have watched the video. I'll go through it. I'll play a big clip of it, and I'll explain why I don't quite think it's what it pretends to be. Oh, people are going to be mad at me for this because it's nice to hope and to dream, isn't it, especially in these hopeless times. I hope you watch the whole thing. Um, this is a video where it's, uh, it's a big help if you have the video version of the podcast. I want you to see what the characters look like. I want you to see the transcript. Obviously, the podcast will do. But um, if you have the time to sign up for Rebel News Plus, you really at the video side, I think it's a totally different experience. It's only 8 bucks a month. Go to rebelnews.com and click subscribe. And that eight bucks a month, it really goes a long way for us. Because if we have thousands of people doing that, we can run a whole company. And you know we don't take a dime from Trudeau. So just go to rebelnews.com and click subscribe. Besides my show, you get a bunch of others. All right, here's today's program. Tonight, did a lone man from Red Deer really defeat Alberta's lockdown in court and free the whole province? It's August 5th, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon yeah. consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. In the six years we've had Rebel News, this has got to be one of the top news stories that people have sent to us to cover. I think we've received over 100 emails telling us about this case, asking us about it, recommending it to us, telling us to pass it on to our lawyers so they can learn from it. I don't think I'd comment on it except for that reason. It has obviously captured the imagination of a lot of people, and I think I know why. Last I checked the video in question here, received almost 800,000 views on Rumble.com alone. I think it's because we're in the worst of times, not medically, but politically, legally. In, in terms of the virus, as an actual health crisis, look at this. This is uh, a map of COVID-19 deaths in Canada this past week. Second largest landmass in the world, 38 million people, and we're averaging fewer than 10 deaths per day. Average age is still very old, over 80. Average victim is very sick from other things. Six out of Canada's 14 provinces and territories sorry, 13 provinces and territories, haven't had a single COVID death in more than a week. And yet the lockdowns continue everywhere except Alberta. I know you wouldn't believe it given how shrill the nightly warnings are about this Delta variant and that super duper mutation and all the fear pornography that's called news today. But the fact is, statistically speaking, it's, it's done. And it's been done for quite a while. The politicians still punish children though. It really bothers me. Schools with masks. Schools by Zoom. Kids at home. In Ontario, there are more than 3 million minors in the province. And the grand total of four people under age 20 have died from the virus since the beginning. Pretty much one in a million. And yet, every kid must wear antisocial muzzles for the privilege of going back to school if the schools aren't cancelled altogether. And yet, no one seems to care. 
No one in power, at least no government, no opposition party, no major media outlet, no official group of doctors or nurses or university deans or judges, that's for sure. It's madness upon madness. I'm going on too long, but my point is this. No one seems to be coming to save us. And then there's this video that pops up on the Internet from an American pundit. I, I don't think a dozen Canadians had heard of before. I hadn't heard of him before. Talking to someone from Red Deer that I don't think a dozen Canadians had heard from before. And they claim, in the words of that video's title, Freedom Fighter Court Victory ends masking, shots, quarantine in Alberta. So you can understand why a, a hundred people have sent this to us and why close to a million people have watched it in just a couple of days. Finally, finally, a hero. Is it true? Is it a miracle? Have our prayers been answered? They seem so confident and optimistic that it has. If parliaments and legislatures have failed us, and if courts have failed us, and the so-called civil liberties groups have failed us, and the media, and of course, academia, and every establishment, everyone who's supposed to be on guard, if they all failed, and we're desperate, and nothing seems to add up, and then this miracle happens, there's a term in literature, deus ex machina, where some miracle just comes abruptly to fix a problem in the plot line. I think that explains the passion and excitement for the story, and it also explains the anger and the sense of betrayal when I mentioned on my noontime live stream yesterday that, alas, it's just too good to be true. It's not what it claims to be. Why would people be so mad about that? About a story they just heard about from a video host none of them had ever watched before. Stu Peters, you ever heard of him before? Talking to someone they never knew before. Patrick King, did you know him? Why the rage? I think I know why. Because we need help so badly that even false hope is better than no hope. And even if that guy in the video isn't right, at least he's fighting, at least he's trying. Now I'm gonna play a large chunk of the video to you. The whole thing's about 17 minutes. I'm not gonna play that much, I'll play 10 minutes of it. You'll see a few things immediately that cause your ears to perk up. The host is American, Stu Peters. He's not quite sure of things in Canada. He calls the Globe and Mail the Daily Mail. The video went up two days ago, August 3rd. The court case they're talking about happened on July 21st, yet Alberta's lockdowns were lifted three weeks, three weeks earlier. They were lifted on July 1st, um, but they, they say that this court case is what lifted them. That happened 20 days earlier. That's also when the mask mandates were lifted, too. It's just not accurate right from the beginning. But what they lack in accuracy, they make up for an enthusiasm. It's the American host who says most of the convincing and hopeful words, and not the Canadian guest he's supposedly interviewing. I note that the Canadian, Patrick King, doesn't correct him, so they leave the impression. But I think later the Canadian warms to the theme, he starts to believe the American, and he says that he's finally cracked the code. He knows how to win this all, to win everywhere, to win the whole country, and everyone should follow his legal strategy. He's not a lawyer, but he found what the smart lawyers couldn't. Here, watch. I'm going to play 10 full minutes of this because it's interesting. When last I checked, almost 800,000 people watched it on Rumble alone, more elsewhere. Watch this to see what all the excitement is about. See what 100 people have emailed me. I'm going to play 10 minutes of it, but please hold on and wait for me on the other side. I want to talk to you about it. Take a look. 
Well, we are happy to break news out of Canada that the Daily Mail will not touch. None of the mainstream media is going to touch this. These propagandists are going to hide this from you because this is encouraging to freedom fighters, patriots who want to take matters into their own hands and stand up against this tyrannical, overreaching system of mandates that forces you to muzzle yourself with an ineffective face diaper, uh, socially distance away from your family, stop giving hugs, not visiting grandma, masking up your kids in school for 10 hours a day, possibly while you're exercising. It's all ridiculous. But breaking out of Alberta today, mandatory masking is coming to an end. Kids will not be masking when they return to school. Mandatory quarantine will be ending contract, uh, contact tracing, testing for mild symptoms. It's all done. They will now be recognizing COVID as a mild flu and treating it as such. Freedom has won in Alberta, proving that fighting does work. Joining us now is Patrick King, a devoted father of two, a proud Canadian. You were fined 1200 bucks for violating the COVID-19 Public Health Act for being in a group larger than 10, which I'm assuming is what lit the fire inside of you. And it appears that you, sir, were a part of the efforts that we can now celebrate today. Tell us about it. Uh, yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me on, Stu. Um, yeah, on December 5th, we held a rally. So in Red Deer, Alberta, Canada, we have been known as the only city in Canada hold the longest rally against all these government mandates that they've been putting in um, with regards to even our industries. Uh, I started back about four years ago. Um, I'm an oil and gas worker, have been for over 17 years. I also hold a degree in occupational health and safety and environment. And when they started to attack our industry out here, I started getting a little bit more vocal. So we've held rallies on our streets with, the, with regards to oil and gas and these, this government that we have for over three and a half years. And on December 5th, we were celebrating our, um, our 200th week of being on the corner on a Saturday morning protesting. And on that particular day, COVID um, mandates were implemented and, and, and they were going on for the last little while. And I was obviously targeted because of my voice. And I know this and it's in the transcripts in the court. Um, I was targeted and, and I received a ticket of $1,200. So I waited for my time in court. I ended up getting it on May the 4th, finally. And I went into court and I produced some information that I needed to request in order to put up a good, plausible defense. And my, my, my material that I requested was the isolation of the SARS-CoV-2 virus. And I wanted it isolated and not in a, in a, in a lab setting or in a PCR test. Cause we know the PCR tests, they're overspun. We know we're not stupid people. Right. We know we research, we look. Yeah. So in doing that, they kind of shut me out of the court. I was supposed to be in court on May the 18th. All of a sudden I get, once I deliver all of this and I get told as a self-representative, I can, the, the judge has to advocate for me and steer me in the right direction. At which time she allowed me to subpoena Dina Hinshaw, who is our chief medical officer of health for Alberta, who basically what my defense was to be was I needed proof that you have isolated the SARS-CoV-2 virus and that therefore the science would give you the backing for your public health act. Which in plain and have. simple terms means prove to me that a pandemic exists. Prove to me that we're all going to die. Prove to me that this thing is raging out of control and that people are dying from this thing. 100%. And if they did that, then I would be no problem. I would say, okay, you're right. You've got this. I'll put this mask on. Well, as soon as I subpoenaed her, I got a, I got an officer shows up at my door three days later. He says, Mr. King, I need your address. I said, oh, you mean the address you're at right now? You that address? Yeah, well, I need your email address. And I said, 
Well, the same email address that's on all my correspondence with you guys and all this stuff, you already have it. Well, I need your telephone number. I said, you mean the telephone number that you call me on all the time? And he's kind of looking dumb. And he says, well, I'm just here to tell you that your court case has been canceled. I was like, this can't happen. You can't cancel my court case. And he kind of snickered. Well, I ended up calling the, the courthouse, got it rescheduled. And upon the rescheduling, I got it in. And next thing I know, I'm being subpoenaed by Dina Hinshaw's lawyers now on a Sunday morning at 11.53 in the morning. I timestamped process server serving me this. In less than 24 hours, I had to be in behind closed chambers with Dina Hinshaw's lawyers and the judges. And I'm like, okay, well, this is odd. This is what's called a procedural violation. You cannot service somebody a subpoena less than 24 hours before court. And I knew they were up to something dirty. When I got the subpoena, we went into court. I get in the court the next day. I call procedural violation 100%. They said, yes, it's a procedural violation. I said, okay, Your Honor, well, let's adjourn it to Wednesday. And this would have been um, uh, June, or sorry, July 24th. And I would have been in court. And she says, no, we can't. I said, Your Honor, this is a procedural violation. And well, when that happened, Dina Hinshaw's lawyer spoke up and she said, well, Your Honor, Mr. King is requesting evidence that we cannot give. And I was kind of like, what? And I, I sent you a screenshot of it. And in the screenshot, it says, the chief medical officer of health has no material evidence to provide Mr. King for his defense, which basically means everything that I requested in Schedule A, which is the isolation of the SARS-CoV-2 virus, that needs to be 100% isolated in order to base your scientific facts on these public health acts. You don't have material evidence for this. And they said, no. And I, I had to reiterate again to the lawyer or to the judge. I said, your honor, just for the record, I want it to be on the record, duly noted that the chief medical officer health of Alberta does not have material evidence I request. She says, yes, Mr. King, they did say that. Perfect. I lose the subpoena on Dina Hinshaw. That's Okay. Because what had happened is a procedural violation. Now, what they've done is the court system actually bamboozled me and sent me in the wrong direction, which is a violation of my rights as a Canadian citizen. I go in on the 24th, and I couldn't believe it. There are attorney general prosecutors from Ottawa in the courtroom. And now my statement says, no longer does it say Dina Hinshaw versus Patrick King. It states the queen her majesty the queen versus patrick king so now where's my accuser if the queen is my accuser i get to address my accuser well lo and behold they find out that everything i did is absolutely phenomenal they can't believe it i remember i'll still remember the look on the faces so i reiterated again the chief medical officer of health of alberta miss dina hinshaw and ahs and the alberta provincial government do not have the material evidence I request for the isolation of SARS-CoV-2. And when the judge said that, these two stenographers, or a stenographer and a clerk just went like this. Yeah. And their jaws dropped to the floor. Yeah, they must and have they looked at like, the judge like, "What are we supposed to type this? <laughs> yeah. do, you, do you really want this on the record? I mean, this is, yeah, ama and this is amazing stuff. And it's so simple when you think about it. This is so simple. You have essentially taught the world exactly what they need to do to liberate themselves. I mean, that's right. But there the problem lies and of course we're going to have to battle uphill because we have a compromised judiciary, a corrupt judiciary. You have to get before a judge that's actually going to rule impartially. Yep. 
But okay, well, the so problem take with this through the rest of this because you got to finish your story. I'm sorry. Yeah. So so what happens now is, and and in my closing remarks, I told the judge, I said to the to your honor, I said thank you very much, and I looked at the crown prosecutor and I said thank you very much, and to the attorney generals that decided to come in the room for a twelve hundred dollar ticket. I got Ottawa listening now. Thank you to each and every one of you because you taught me everything I need to know to be the loudest proactive advocate for everybody across Canada, let alone North America and the world. Because now we know exactly what you guys are doing to us. We have it on record. We have the proof. And you know what? I get these transcripts this afternoon. I wish I would have had them before you called me this morning because then I would have shown, been able to provide it to you. And hopefully maybe we can do a, a, a sequel to this yes. when I have it all. But in the transcripts, I stated, and I know they're shaking in their boots. So when I said, I'm going to start teaching people exactly what they need to do, because we were that close. They got me on a judicial, what's called a jurisdictional challenge, which the judge advocated for me to subpoena Dina Hinshaw, because she has to. But what she didn't do was tell me the appropriate direction to go to. So I used the justice of the peace who signed the, uh, the subpoena. Well, it's a judge who needs to sign the subpoena, not a justice of the peace. So they got me on the jurisdictional challenge, but they also violated my rights in doing so. So now there's a process that we're going to go through and hopefully I can't divulge too much more, but now what I can do is with all these transcripts to everybody else. And they made a point in my court case, the Rook versus Alberta case where they've summoned everybody that who had violated any of these COVID rules they're waiting on the determination of thousands and thousands of tickets and, and uh, summonses and the results of those will come. Well, what we did was we laid the foundation for everybody's court case now. So everybody's court case will go exactly the way I am and what they need to do and everybody needs to do is you need to challenge the public health act in your provinces, in your states, uh, in, in your, in your, wherever you are. You file a, a, um, a challenge against these health acts, and that way the judge has no, no uh, recourse. She has to subpoena the, the government officials that are responsible for this. It goes on for another seven minutes. You can find this video everywhere, except on YouTube, of course, because they banned it, I presume, because it questions the existence of the COVID virus at all, which YouTube censors. They don't allow you to even talk about that possibility. Um, by the way, I believe the COVID virus is a thing. I just have uh, questions about what we should do about it. But you're going to see how exciting this video is, how hopeful it is, how persuasive. I mean, you just heard Stu Peters. I know you've never seen him before. I don't know if he's ever been to Canada. He didn't know that the lockdowns and mass mandates had been lifted in Alberta more than a month before he recorded his video. But boy, did he know what's what. This is going to pull the whole racket down. And Patrick King was loving every second of it. He was the guru, not even the guru. That implies he was some sophisticated master strategist. It was more he was David slaying Goliath. It was more the lopsidedness that was the miracle. All the big lawyers, the fancy lawyers failed. No one has managed to stop the lockdowns, but he did. David and Goliath, you heard a bit there that he was having some procedural troubles in court, but that didn't seem to stop him. It was a very high-energy conversation, and he was really... Both of them were really running with it, and um, he says he's got the template to, to save everything. So who on earth could possibly be against this? Well, I'm not. <laughs> Except that it's not actually right, and that, that's why I think perhaps people are so mad at me for mentioning on my new live stream yesterday that it just 
didn't happen the way they said. I'm sorry, I wish it did. I read the transcript of Patrick King's first appearance in court earlier this year, and I read what he was charged with, an illegal gathering, more than 10 people, and I read the testimony of the two RCMP officers who testified against him, and I read what the judge had to say. And then Patrick King, who was defending himself, said he wanted to call as a witness, excuse me, Dina Hinshaw, Alberta's public health officer. But because he didn't have a lawyer and he, he didn't know he was going to call Dina Hinshaw, the public health officer, and he, he didn't know how to do it, uh, so the judge sort of paused the trial and said, well, if you want to call a witness, you, you go and you subpoena a witness, and so we'll take a break so you can do that, and then we'll come back. The judge was sort of helping him out a bit, not being his lawyer, but sort of telling him what he should do if he wanted to run the trial himself. So he did that, but because he didn't really know what he was doing, he got a justice of the peace to issue the subpoena, not a proper court uh, justice as required under the law. So the government had that subpoena thrown out. And as you saw on Stu Peter's show, one of the things the government said, besides that the subpoena wasn't issued properly by the right judge, is that Dina Hinshaw had nothing to say about his arrest or, or his ticket. She had no material information. Now, material is a legal term that means relevant. Literally, it means having to do with the matter at hand. Material matter. What's the matter at hand? Do you have any material evidence? Don't talk about this or that. Talk about the matter at hand. That's what material means. So the public health officer in Edmonton, who's never heard of this guy before, who was not there in Red Deer that day, didn't want to come down from Edmonton to Red Deer to testify the trial of a guy who was being fined 1200 bucks for being in an anti-lockdown gathering. She had no material evidence to give. She said the subpoena wasn't done right and that she has nothing to say. She had no evidence about what happened that day in Red Deer. That's what material evidence means. But Patrick King and Stu Peters thought that that meant she was admitting that COVID-19 doesn't even exist and she has no evidence that it does. That's the no material evidence they thought that meant. It's not what that was about. It's just not what she said. It's not what she meant. And Patrick King, who made a number of legal errors, and that's not his fault since he's not a lawyer, he made another legal error, misunderstanding what the word material means in, in a legal setting. In the end here, he said the answer is to challenge the public health laws in every province I think that's true, but, but he's not doing that. The judge specifically told him that if you're going to challenge the law itself by challenging its constitutionality, by saying that law, even though it was passed, it's improper, it's invalid. If you're saying, for example, it's not a reasonable limit on free speech or freedom of assembly, or there's no justification for it because of the nature of the virus, and I think those are his arguments, the judge pointed out to him that in Canadian courts, there's a rule that you have to give the government advance notice that you're challenging the constitutionality of a law. You can't just come up with that plan on the spot. You have to give the government some notice. So Patrick King didn't do that because he didn't know he had to do that. Now, the good news is that other lawyers are challenging the constitutionality of various lockdown laws. Sarah Miller, one of our Fight the Fines lawyers, is in court before the Federal Court of Appeal fighting against the quarantine laws. And she remembered to serve notice to the government that she's challenging the constitutionality of the law. She remembered because she's a lawyer. She's also fighting for Arthur Pavlovsky. And she raised 
charter issues there too, and she remembered to serve notice. And Chad Williamson, another one of our lawyers in Calgary, is doing the same for other clients, including Chris Scott of the Whistle Stop Diner in Mira, Alberta. And they all remembered to serve their constitutional notice, and they know a subpoena has to be issued. So I agree, it is important to challenge the underlying rationale for these laws that infringe on our rights. Patrick King didn't uh, know that he had to uh, do it in a certain way because he's not a lawyer. He didn't know how to subpoena the health officer because he's not a lawyer. I'm not making fun of him. Those are expert things. Just like medical doctors know expert things about medicine or engineers or accountants, they all know expert things. If you're, not a, if you're a layman, it's not embarrassing that you don't know expert things. It doesn't even have to be a profession. How about skilled trades? Welding, carpentry. Those aren't professions, but skilled trades and the tickets to practice them, that's a special knowledge too. And it's not embarrassing if you don't know how to do it because you're not a welder. Just don't pretend you are an expert welder then. But what we have here in this viral video that a hundred people have sent me is that two guys, neither of whom are experts, neither of whom are lawyers, one of whom doesn't sound like he even knows much about Canada, they're saying that Patrick King's homemade lawyering actually not only won, but freed the whole province and will free the rest of the country and will prove that this whole thing's a hoax if only you do what he says. That's not true and that's not what happened. Now, why do I care? I could spend my entire life trying to correct things on the internet that are wrong. Uh, it's infinite. I suppose just believing in the truth is some reason, but like I say, you will never have time to do anything else in your life if you just try and correct errors on the internet. The reason I care is because a hundred rebels have asked me and because we know something about this issue. It's been our central fight for the last year and a half. And we don't want our people to be misled by a self-styled guru who actually has no idea at all what he's doing. And if someone were to actually really rely on his ideas, they could lose and lose badly at great cost to themselves. Why would people believe him? Because they have lost all faith in the establishment, in the government, in the courts and judges and lawyers and the law itself. At the very beginning of his trial in the first part, Patrick King, you can see here, he tries that weird free man of the land, your laws don't apply to me thing where he suggests that the court isn't even a proper court, isn't even real. And the judge throws that out in about five seconds. She's heard that before. Look, people are desperate. The law isn't working for so many people anymore so that people make up their own law. Except that won't work either, and it's not working here, and it didn't work here. I have no beef with a guy fighting like hell. I don't know much about Patrick King. I, I know he, you know, he squabbled with Antifa before. I don't like Antifa one bit. He organized an anti-Antifa rally in Red Deer. There was a scuffle there. I don't think he was involved in the scuffle himself. I know he was on the United We Roll convoy for a bit. He's obviously a lockdown skeptic. All right. For those reasons, some people are telling me to stop criticizing what he said and to... Canadians are worried about a fourth wave of COVID-19. The dangerous Delta variant is here and we have to be ready. Now is not the time for an election. We can all wait and go to the polls when it's safe. We need to focus on health and well-being, securing our economic future and fighting COVID-19 together. My wife and I had COVID 
Like many families, we want to get past this pandemic, but let's pull together for one more fight. Let's beat COVID-19 and have an election when it's safe. A shocking new ad by the Conservative Party leader, Aaron O'Toole. I call it shocking because I think if that was Justin Trudeau saying every one of those words and saying, well, I don't want to have the election and here's all my reasons, I think it would be exactly Trudeau's message too. Live in fear, be afraid, be terrified. We're not ready for none of this voting stuff. And um, let's not have an election. Things are just fine the way they are. I think that it is, uh, I think it's a disaster in terms of ideology and tone and the message. But I'm not the only one who thinks this way. A much more rational and reasonable man than me, in fact, brought this to my attention. It's our friend Andrew Lawton of TNC.News, and you can find him every uh, time at andrewlawtonshow.com. Andrew, I, um, I'm a critic of Aaron O'Toole, and so I think sometimes my viewers say, oh, Ezra, you're just mad at Aaron O'Toole again. But you had a, had a very illuminating thread of comments on Twitter about this. Why don't you give me your take on that new Aaron O'Toole ad? Yeah, there are a couple of big problems I have with this. Number one is that I, I've broken down what's behind this into two main theses, if you will. One is that the conservatives are true believers in this COVID alarmism. They genuinely believe that this so-called fourth wave is an existential threat and you can't have an election in a fourth wave. The other alternative theory is that they are politicking. They are pretty convinced Justin Trudeau is going to do an election anyway, so they just want to put another tool in their toolbox to be able to say when that time comes that, oh, they're being, being irresponsible, we didn't want the election, we didn't ask for it, that was all them. Either one of those is bad news for conservative Canadians. And, and there are two big reasons for this, because it's been people on the right, by and large, small C conservatives that have been the most fed up with lockdowns, the, one of the, the ones that have been the most eager to get back to normal. Alberta, for example, is a province that has quite relished its status as being mask-free, virtually restriction-free right now. And for Aaron O'Toole to say, oh, no, it's so dangerous, we can't even vote. We have to have an election when it's safe. He's at odds with where a lot of his base is as far as the pandemic and the risk. The other side of this, though, is that for the last two years, the Conservatives have been saying that the Liberals are corrupt, they spend too much money, they mishandled the pandemic, they didn't prepare, they aren't prepared for the next one. Whereas what O'Toole's now saying is, if we are in this existential threat, Trudeau's the guy to bring us through it. That That's what he's saying. Yeah. Things are so bad right now, Trudeau's got to be the one to look after it. So I have no idea how on earth this messaging helps the Conservatives or Team O'Toole. Yeah, even if they are terrified of an election and think they're going to get smoked and a lot of the latest polls show it, I know that Abacus polls are chaired by a liberal activist named Bruce Anderson, so I take them with a bit of a grain of salt, but I tell you, it's the lowest poll numbers I've seen yet. I think O'Toole's at 25% just ahead of the NDP. But even if those polls are real, to show this level of fear of an election, like they're called a government in waiting. They're sh called shadow ministers. They're supposed to be critics. They're supposed to oppose. He didn't really criticize anything. He didn't really oppose anything. He just doesn't want an election. And by implication, he's saying, well, everything Trudeau is doing now is better than if we had an election to change it. But and you're right. Some of the words he used, I just jotted them down. Canadians are worried. 
It's a dangerous uh, a variant. When it's safe, we can come out. We're going to fight this together. Just one more fight, folks. Just one more. And, um, and he said, when it's safe, I think twice in there. That's exactly the language of the public health deep state. And I'm left scratching my head, Andrew, and thinking again, is there any difference between O'Toole and Trudeau on carbon taxes, open borders, immigration? O'Toole hasn't said a word about the latest censorship proposals. And here we are now, he's using the same rhetoric as Trudeau on the pandemic. I'm just very disappointed. Well, we had just uh, this week Dina Hinshaw, the chief public health advisor in Alberta, come out and say the priority needs to be learning to live with COVID. And, and this is what I think most of the optimistic people have been saying. Yeah, it's always going to be around in some way. We work around it. We protect the vulnerable, but we get back to normal. Otherwise, we are in this perpetual, permanent, years-long lockdown. So living with that means having elections. It doesn't mean suspending democracy because of a mythical fourth wave fifth wave, sixth wave, the 75th wave that'll be coming just around the corner now. When he says have an election when it's safe, when's he talking about? How yeah. long do elections, does the democratic right of a voter to elect a government, how long does that get suspended because of COVID? Is it for two years, for three years? What happens if it's so quote unquote dangerous until the end of when Justin, Justin Trudeau's term technically expires? Mm -hmm. and, and this is why it's so ridiculous. We've had in Canada, in various provinces and outside of Canada, numerous elections that have been held without issue when, at times when case counts, hospitalizations, and death counts were a lot higher than they are now. So to say that it's too dangerous, and, and I should qualify this, Ezra, I've had a, a few of Aaron O'Toole's defenders uh, come at me since I posted that Twitter thread saying, oh, well, it's just strategy. He's just trying to do this thing so that he can call Trudeau irresponsible. I'm not interested in politicking on this. My interest right now is in getting back to normal and living my life. And the problem I have is that for the last 18 months, it's been alarmists and fear mongers in politicians and in, in, in political class and in the media that have been getting in the way of that happening. Mm -hmm. So I do not give any politician that stokes more of this fear the benefit of the doubt, because this idea that it's too scary to have an election right now is exactly the attitude that's keeping people like me in Ontario, like you in Ontario, under restrictions long after they are necessary, if they ever were. Yeah. You know, um, by the way, I just uh, I showed this earlier in the show. If you look at Theresa Tam's official map of Canada, and if you select it to show you the count of deaths in the last seven days in the entire country, 38 million souls, only about 60 people have passed away in the last week. That's less than 10 a day on average in half a dozen provinces and territories. There hasn't been a single death in at least a week. And I'm not saying that 60 deaths are nothing, but I'm saying it is not grounds to stop a national election. Listen, if grocery workers and gas station workers and if delivery boys and girls can work through this, surely some politicians uh, can have an election. I just, the, the excuseology here does not sound very conservative. And let me quote uh, the public health deep state again. When we got started, they just said 15 days to flatten the curve. They didn't say zero COVID. They said, just get it under control so we don't swamp our hospitals. Mission accomplished. 
They never said we're going to lock down till the case count is zero. They just said, let's make sure that we don't overwhelm our hospitals. Well, that has never happened in Canada, and it's sure not happening now. I don't know. I just, I just every week, my expectations, which are already low, are not low enough, and I have to start digging a new basement level for this Conservative Party. How do you think they're going to do? I think Trudeau's going to call the election. I think he's going to win. I think he's going to get a majority. And I think O'Toole is going to lose probably 20 seats. Well, I don't think when I to go back to my theories that I laid out at the beginning of our chat, Ezra, I don't think the conservatives are true believers. I don't think they believe this stuff. I, I think this is a calculation on their part, which does not excuse it at all. And the only reason they'd be doing it is to either want to just be able to accuse Justin Trudeau of being reckless or because they know that an election now is game over for them. That That is, I think, if you look at the polls, something that very realistically could be driving a lot of this fear. We know it's why the NDP has been saying it doesn't want an election. Their financial situation as a party is not good. They can't afford a, uh, an election right now. The Conservatives simply aren't ready. Uh, the polls are not in their favor. They're still scrambling to get candidates nominated. But I, I will say the Conservatives, like every other party, are sending their candidates out, knocking on doors. They're having some events where laws permit it. They are campaigning. So this idea that it's unsafe to be campaigning hasn't seemed to trickle down to the actual people doing the campaigning. Yeah. You know, uh, yesterday, Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, pushed back at Joe Biden because at the federal level in the United States, they're talking about mask mandates. They're talking about, uh, uh, you know, Biden is criticizing Florida, really picking on that state. I can understand why. I think DeSantis is the front runner, other than Trump, perhaps to be uh, the, the presidential candidate in 2024. But can I show you this? And I don't know if you've seen this. It's about five full minutes long. It's DeSantis standing up and naturally and without sounding extreme, just saying we're not going back into lockdowns. We're just not doing it. We're not locking down businesses. We're not losing jobs. We're not living in fear. But most importantly, and he's so good at this part, he's not saying, He's saying, I will stop you, Joe Biden, but he's saying it's the parents who get to decide all these things. Individuals can decide on vaccines. Parents can decide on masks for kids. So he's not saying my way or your way. He's saying Biden and government versus families. I thought this was not only so effective for DeSantis, I thought this was an absolute template for a conservative in any country, the United States, Canada, Australia, the United Kingdom, anywhere to push back against government extremism in these lockdowns without sounding like a kook or an extremist. Here, have you seen this? Let me just play, just bear with me, Andrew. I'm going to play about five minutes. Let me know what you think of this. Well, thanks. We're, we're excited to be here. And um, I just want to say uh, something uh, quickly, um, you know, uh, Joe Biden has taken to himself to try to single out Florida um, over COVID. Uh, this is a guy who ran for president saying he was going to, quote, shut down the virus. And what has he done? He's imported more virus from around the world by having a wide open southern border. You have hundreds of thousands of people pouring across every month. And it's not just from Mexico. In fact, it's rarely from Mexico. You have over 100 different countries where people are pouring through, not only are they letting them through, 
They're then farming them out all across our communities across this country, putting them on planes, putting them on buses. Do you think they're being uh, worried about COVID for that? Of course not. So he's facilitating. Who knows what new variants are out there? But I can tell you, whatever variants are around the world, they're coming across that southern border. And so he's not shutting down the virus. He's helping to facilitate it in our country. And what is his big solution? What is he so upset about Florida? His solution is he wants to have the government force kindergartners to wear masks in school. He doesn't believe the parents should have a say in that. He thinks that should be a decision for the government. Well, I can tell you in Florida, the parents are going to be the ones in charge of that decision. And one of the major uh, medical people in his administration just recently told parents that they should be wearing masks at home when they're around their own children. This is insane. Joe Biden also believes that vaccination should be mandated by force of government and that you should have to show vaccination status to be able to participate in society. Now, Florida, we're very proud of our seniors' first strategy. You look at the mortality in nursing homes among seniors, it's declined dramatically. But we said from the beginning, we're going to make it available for all, but we're not going to mandate it on anybody. That's ultimately an individual's choice to be able to do it. Biden, he rejects science because he denies the fact that people that recover from COVID have long-lasting immunity. And that's been proven time and time again, and the data is very clear. So his vision is, just like in New York City, restaurants should ban young kids from being able to go in because they're not eligible for vaccination. And law-abiding citizens have to produce proof of their medical records just to go to the gym or attend an event or just to participate in everyday society. He wants that, but yet if you want to vote, he thinks it's too much of a burden to show a picture ID when you're voting. So no voter ID, but have to show your medical papers just to be able to live an everyday life? Give me a break. And so I think the question is, is we can either have a free society or we can have a biomedical security state. And I can tell you, Florida, we're a free state. People are going to be free to choose to make their own decisions about themselves, about their families, about their kids' education, and about putting food on the table. And Joe Biden suggests that if you don't do lockdown policies, then you should, quote, get out of the way. But let me tell you this. If you're coming after the rights of parents in Florida, I'm standing in your way. I'm not going to let you get away with it. If you're trying to deny kids a proper in-person education, I'm going to stand in your way and I'm going to stand up for the kids in Florida. If you're trying to restrict people, impose mandates, if you're trying to ruin their jobs and their livelihoods and their small business, if you are trying to lock people down, I am standing in your way and I'm standing for the people of Florida. So why don't you do your job? Why don't you get this border secure? And until you do that, I don't want to hear a blip about COVID from you. Thank you. Andrew, I know that Ron DeSantis has several tools at his disposal that Aaron O'Toole doesn't. He is the governor. He can make decisions. He can block Joe Biden in a way that Aaron O'Toole couldn't do. But the language, the confidence, pushing back, talking about individual decisions, either for vaccines or for 
uh, parents and masks. Uh, saying, hey, how come you're not closing the southern border? I could imagine O'Toole saying, hey, how come you haven't closed Roxham Road? How come you haven't stopped flights from China? Like, just the fact that he's not absolutely repeating back the message track of the lockdowness, I, f- I find that inspiring and hopeful and it makes me think right on, there's a guy who might actually win. At least maybe one day a conservative in Canada could give that kind of messaging a try. Yeah, it's not about having the legal authority. It's about just being a leader. It's about leadership and it's about rhetoric at this point. And the problem in Canada is that over the course of the pandemic, we've essentially been a liberal uniparty. The official opposition has been very muted. The NDP, the Bloc Québécois have been in lockstep with the liberals. The conservatives have not wanted to push too far because they don't want to be accused of seeking an election. And as we've been talking about going the other way, So there is a a huge opening for someone in Canadian politics to stand up and and start countering a lot of the fear mongering and make it about choice. I I was actually in Florida within the last couple of weeks, and it was interesting because there's no mask mandate. A lot of people wear masks. Now, I wasn't one of them because I'm of the mind that we had waves two, three and supposedly four in Canada. Well, masks were required, so I don't think they're doing what all of the officials are, are saying they're supposed to do. But you know what? People in Florida were making their own decisions. People were respecting each other's space when that was warranted. And if they wanted to go and have fun at the beach or at the pool or go to a restaurant, they could do that. And and people could make decisions for themselves. Families could make decisions for themselves. What DeSantis is saying here is not about left and right. It's about government versus the people. And the chasm between those two groups' interests has been getting wider and wider for the last year and a half. Yeah. Well, I tell you, I hope that someone becomes the anti-lockdown voice in Canada. Jason Kenney was the harshest lockdowner for about six or nine months there. I think that really antagonized his base, his rural base, Christian Albertans who were shocked by the arrest of pastors. But if that's largely behind him now, other than a punitive prosecution of Arthur Pavlovsky and his brother for contempt, I think that maybe Jason Kenney could be that anti-lockdown hero that Canada desperately needs. My God, I hope he is. Listen, Andrew, great to see you. Thanks for letting me make you watch that five-minute video from Ron DeSantis. But it's the best thing I've seen today. It's always good to talk to you. Right on. Great to see you. Folks, just a reminder, you can catch Andrew at andrewlawtonshow.com or tnc.news. Take care, my friend. You too. All right. Stay with us. More ahead. show last night, Ma writes, science, which we are not allowed to question and dispute, is not science, but a religious cult masquerading as science. Yeah, I mean, I, I really went deep on my own watching videos of, of Feynman and, and reading his quotes. He was what I wish Bill Nye, the science guy, was like. Just someone who loved skepticism, was genuinely curious, explained real science and wasn't political. Boy, we could use a Dr. Feynman these days. Bold writes, The point of science is to question it. By definition, questioning Fauci is entirely within reason. Yeah, I mean, that's actually the root of the word science. It means to observe, to look, to look skeptically. Nick writes, if you can question it, it's science. If you can't, it's propaganda. 
Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I, I quoted that one line from Shakespeare, and forgive me, I always throw that into things. It was a joke. It's when Beatrice comes out and, uh, yeah, yeah, they, they basically mock Benedict and tell him he was wrong. And he accepts it. And he says, you know, we're lucky to mend our flaws when critics point them out. No one actually says that. No one actually loves being proved wrong. It was a joke when Shakespeare said it, but it's true anyways. If you're proven that you're wrong on something, you can do better. You can reform yourself. But it's just the toughest thing in the world, isn't it? Don't you hate when people say, I told you so? I think that's why people are so mad when uh, I call out Patrick King and say, you know, he didn't have a win in court. And that was sort of a BS video. People hate to hear that. They hate to hear I told you so. They hate to hear you're wrong. Shakespeare was correct. No one likes to be criticized, but I think the truth compels it. That's our show for today. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rumble World Headquarters, good night. Keep fighting for freedom.